And that is our uh, constant prayer as uh, followers of Jesus Christ that we may run the race to win the prize. We're going to look at uh, an element of that race and our understanding of what it is to be in God's kingdom, what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ again today as we uh, continue in the gospel according to Mark. We'll be looking at uh, Mark 9 verses 33 through 37 this morning. Mark 9 at verse 33, And they came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent. For on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve. And he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and put him in the midst of them. And taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. May God give us wisdom as we meditate on the word again today. Uh, Jesus sat down with his disciples. He he got into that uh, got into that posture or that position, which is it? He got into a, a seated position. Uh, this was uh, so for you and I. We sit down. This is just a comfortable position. If I'm going to talk for a while, maybe it'd be easier just to sit down. Um, you guys still make me stand up, but uh, so. Jesus got into the position of being seated, but uh, his position then was not just because I'm comfortable. When Jesus sat down, uh, got into that position, he also took a posture of teaching. Jesus sat down uh, in, the, in the culture of that day when the teacher sits down. He's not done. He's just beginning. Uh, we do it differently here. Now there are there are some places that maybe you've seen they'll have uh, maybe not such a a low seat, but they'll have a, a stool. And I've done some things up here at different times of the year where I sit on a stool and I read or I uh, reflect on something. Uh, that that position there is uh, a posture of teaching for for Jesus and the the Jews of that day. Uh, we're going to look at the difference though between uh, position and posture. Uh, what that means, because we often, if I'm if I'm in a standing position, my my posture is straight. If I'm in a seated position, it's obviously different. When I'm in a kneeling position, uh, my posture is different. But there's a difference between just uh, one that corresponds with the other. When I stand, I'm straight. Position is one thing that we'll see here. Posture is completely another. And we'll look at uh, what that means here. When we look at the uh, journey that the disciples are on, uh, they are meant to be growing in their understanding of what Jesus is revealing to them. Every gospel writer has the intent of revealing, as our sermon series is, who is Jesus? 
That's the intent, to be able to show that particular audience. Mark has a particular audience. Matthew, Luke, and John also have different audiences of people that they're writing to, speaking to, and engaging with. And they each want to be able to present a picture of who Jesus is. And as, as that's being presented to the people around him, uh, Jesus is specifically wanting his disciples to understand who he is and what is faith in him and what is kingdom life about. Uh, Mark, again, gives us a very abbreviated version of that. When you look at kingdom life, you see it in uh, much greater detail when you go into the book of Matthew. But Mark uh, has a very theological approach to uh, what he's putting before us, and we're going to dig into that today. One of the uh, things then is, are, the, are those disciples, are they uh, understanding or are they confused? So much of what I'm going to do today, uh, the title is uh, Position Versus Posture. Uh, if you think of uh, which, you know, which, which is it, uh, one or the other, position versus posture. Uh, all of the ways that I want to reflect on this passage are, are opposing or um, ways to give us a, a way to think about it in a, different, in a different, is it this way or is it that way? Is it, are, the, are the disciples understanding or are they confused? Because they're meant to be growing in their understanding, as we are. So let's look at uh, where, the, where the disciples are at. Uh, maybe you already have the answer to that question, whether they are understanding or confused. But if you look at um, the story where uh, Jesus comes, this is after the feeding of the 5,000, and Jesus is walking on the water, uh, coming to the disciples, and they're uh, shocked and amazed by all this. When... when when Jesus approaches them, there's this, there's this uh, understanding of we might know who it is, but they're not exactly sure they would say that out loud. Or, and listen to what it says here in uh, Mark 6.52. Uh, when Jesus got in, he said, they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. Jesus is walking on the water, gets in the boat, and they're, they're confused and afraid and and Jesus brings up this passage again about the feeding of the 5,000. And maybe you're confused like they are. What, what did walking on the water and getting in the boat and all that have to do with feeding 5,000 people? Their confusion continues when you look at uh, when Jesus was talking after encountering the, the Pharisees about uh, the disciples and Jesus eating with hands that are unwashed, don't you, don't you realize that defiles a person? And Jesus, Jesus gives an answer to that. And coming out of that is uh, this passage here. When he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from the outside cannot defile him? Yeah. 
they, they keep uh, coming to all these different circumstances. Jesus tries to reveal more about the power that he has, more about the, uh, the role he has in the world and carrying out his Father's will, the, the role that the disciples would have. And every time it seems he gets to this place where this bigger revelation should be understood by them, they get more confused. And it's becoming more and more evident when, when Jesus is in the boat with them again um, after the feeding of the 4,000, uh, they begin discussing with each other, with one another, the fact that they had no bread. They, they got in the boat, they only had one loaf with them. Remember that story? They only had one loaf with them, but they, they forgot and they, they, they didn't have any bread. Interesting story there. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes do you not see and having ears do you not hear? Do you not remember? I I love the fact that Jesus is a patient teacher. I don't know that I would be that kind of teacher myself. But he's a, he's a very patient teacher. Uh, even though he rebukes them at times for their lack of understanding, he continues to deal with his disciples. But they seem to be getting more and more confused. They, they seem to be confused when, when Peter has uh, this revelation from God the Father that uh, when the question was asked, uh, what are the pe- who do the people say I am? Who do you say I am? And Peter rightly exclaims, you are the Christ. Peter recognized Jesus as the anointed Messiah come into the world to redeem his people. The one sent by God to do that. And so you think that their understanding is growing, but then of course Peter rebukes Jesus when he announces to them for the first time that I'm going to suffer at the hands of the chief priests and elders, I'll be killed and rise again. And Peter, not understanding that, rebukes the Lord because he still isn't understanding, as with the rest of them, who it is that stands before them, what the plan is to accomplish what God has set in motion from the time when he said, let there be light. They're still confused. Even even with a growing revelation, they get confused. I think, like I said, I have that at times too, where I think the more I I contemplate something uh, with deep complexity, the, the less I understand it. I think maybe the disciples are like that, where the more Jesus tries to teach them, the more confused they get. They didn't understand why they couldn't cast out the demon from the, from the young boy when they had been given the power to do so. And now after Jesus reveals for the second time the death that he is about to suffer, they begin arguing 
because they didn't understand. They're arguing about who's the greatest. They didn't understand what Jesus was saying. This is the way we ended up last week when when Jesus was revealing his impending suffering and death and they didn't understand. They were afraid to ask him now. Now their confusion is uh, illuminated, if you will, by the fact that they're arguing about which of them is the greatest. And you see that their understanding is still so short-sighted. And Jesus, Jesus then begins to interact with them specifically and he, he sits down and he, he begins to talk with them. And he has a, a, uh, an interesting thing that we see in different places of Scripture where there's, there's this uh, opposite, uh, a significant difference Uh, is it first or last? And that's where Jesus is bringing uh, this teaching specifically to the disciples. Teaching was a main ministry of Jesus and this time we get a record from Mark where he sits down with them and in a few words teaches them about what it is to be great. They're arguing with one another about what it means uh, who's going to be the greatest? And maybe they're asking because, uh, you know, three of the guys got to go up on the mountain with Jesus. Are, are they going to be the greatest? Maybe they're saying, hey, we're greater than all of you. It doesn't record that. Obviously, there's something that motivates their discussion about who's going to be the greatest. Jesus is going to die. So if we're taking over as, as his uh, students, which one of us then will be the greatest? So Jesus gives them a, a short little lesson. We grow up in a, in a society where uh, competition is all around us. Uh, we compete at work. We have uh, employee of the month kind of things. We compete in sports, obviously. Uh, being first place is always better than coming in last. We do it in school. We, we recognize the greatest students, greatest athletes, greatest scholars. We compete with one another uh, at times in our life about uh, how we dress and we want to keep up with all the, all the trends of the world and everything and we want to be on the cutting edge of, of how we look, what we possess keeping up with the Joneses, competing with their neighbors for, for having the, the, the better home or a newer car or all the toys. Certainly we compete with others at times with our money, our looks. We, we as a society, we, com- we compete with other nations in our military strength. That's been going on forever, truly. Nation against nation. We, we consider ourselves, what, what do we call ourselves? What, I mean, you've heard it a lot in the last four years. We are the greatest nation on the face of the earth. 
we as nations compete against others. We want to elevate ourselves up to be the greatest and, and others would like to knock us off that position. That's the world in which we live where first is always best, last is worst. You are the loser if you're in last place. But last, as uh, Jesus is describing it, isn't about uh, the position you, you have, where you rank. It's, it's not about the position, it's about the posture you have. This, was, this would turn their thinking, uh, society's thinking upside down. Thinking that somehow there's greater value in being last that, I don't know if that makes sense in our culture, let alone in theirs. If, if you're going to be great, you have to be the best. You have to be first. That only makes sense in our minds. To be the least and the last, there's nothing admirable about that. Where does that get you anyway? And this is where Jesus brings... Uh, kingdom perspective into our temporal existence where we live in what we see and what's all around us and he's trying to change our thinking about what it is to be great, what it means to be first and, and shattering the idea of last being something that is not desirable at all. And Jesus says the, the, it's not the position that you hold. It's not how you rank in, in society here. It's not which one of you will be the greatest uh, leader, the most recognized, not the, not the greatest nation or all these other things that we talked about. It's not that position, but it's the posture that you have in this world. And that's where he says, it's, it's, if you want to be, be first, you need to be last. How many of you grew up like I did when you started hearing about those things? It's like, I don't get what he's talking about. If you want to be first, you must be last. It, I mean, it doesn't even make sense in our minds. They seem to be too contradictory. But that again comes from our own understanding of the way we interpret our world uh, from a worldly point of view. And Jesus wants to shift our thinking from uh, seeing it through the eyes of every day into seeing it in, with the eyes of Jesus in kingdom life, a, a, an eternal perspective, a spiritual perspective, not a human perspective. So it's, it's not uh, how elevated we are, but how much we serve. If you want to be last, if you want, if you, if you want to be first, you must be last and, and servant of all, he says. That's the posture that you are to take. If you're looking for greatness, and, and this is not going to apply to this world, uh, people will still get uh, ridiculed and put down at times because they want to uh, humble themselves there's very little recognition given to the humble servant. But, but in God's kingdom, that's what it is to be great. 
One must be the servant of all. How you serve, who you serve, why you serve. And it's not, it's not a false humility. The being, the being uh, last is not like, oh, poor pitiful me, I'm not good at anything, I'll, I'll be last. That's fine. I don't, I don't care to be recognized at all. That's not, that's not what it is to be last. It's not this false humility of, well, I don't have anything to offer, so you know, I'm, I'm glad taking my place at the end of the line. I'm very comfortable back here. Uh, nobody sees me. Nobody pays attention. That's not what it is to be last. It's not that sense of false humility. It's, it's in what you do. It's how you serve. It's what you give. And that's what, that's what Jesus is trying to bring about here, that uh, the posture you have in God's kingdom is how you how you then are a rank, if you will. If you want to be first, because Jesus says, if you're looking for greatness, then you need this posture. If you're, if you're looking for position, he says, you really need to come at it from a posture standpoint. Jesus would be uh, the greatest example of that. Look at uh, Matthew 20, 28. Uh, this on, uh, in Matthew's account of uh, this same story, even as the Son of Man uh, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Obviously, we would think of Jesus in that sense of, well, he's the greatest, and uh, rightly so, he is. But, but the one who stands among them as the greatest, as the one who is creator of all, the one who is sustainer of life, came to serve. And he calls us to do that as well. Look at uh, Philippians 2, verse 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. It's a, it's a position of humility. Not again that, that false humility. Well, I'm, I'm no good. Uh, look at what it says there in First Peter. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. In humility, we, we would serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. That's what it is to have uh, a position of servanthood. Recognizing that Jesus is the example and he calls us as, as disciples, they would know that. The disciple would always mimic the actions and lifestyle of the teacher. That's our call as well, to, to mimic the lifestyle of Jesus. As Jesus would often do, he, he tries to give, it, uh, give a lesson in a very tangible way. So he, he, he uses this example of a child, and that's our, that's our last comparison in our understanding of position or posture. Uh, is it childlike or Christ-like? He took a child as he was there with the disciples and he put the child among them and said, if anyone would receive this little child in my name, receives me. The, the point that 
Mark is making in the words of Jesus here is not that we should be childlike, but it's in how we receive the child. And Jesus is using this example, and we probably don't catch this. And to be sure, I don't know what language Jesus spoke to his disciples in at this time. Jesus often spoke Aramaic, a language of the day as well. And that's where, that's where if you would hear what Jesus is telling them in this short little teaching, uh, it would begin to click in our minds a little bit more. Uh, he put, wh- what did he put in front of them? A slave. A servant. In Aramaic, the word for child is the same word for servant. When he's, when he's telling the disciples, if, you, if you're seeking to be first, you need to be last and servant of all. And so he takes a servant. In their society, children were the least of them, the least significant. No standing. It's as if they didn't count. We have that in our own society today when we think of of the unborn. They don't count. They're the least significant. So Jesus takes this this, uh, child and has this play on words potentially in, in Aramaic where if you, if you receive this child, this slave, that will let you know what it is to receive Jesus. Again, though, notice that the, that the call here is not to become like the child. There are times where that's the point being made, but Mark is making a point here and recording Jesus' words for us that it's not about being like the child, it's about receiving the child in Jesus' name. It's about accepting the the least and the last, the, the least significant of those around you and welcoming them. You get to that story where Jesus talks about the the Good Samaritan doing something for uh, the least, the the broken, the the needy. So Jesus uses this visual example and play on words of what it is to be one who would receive the servant. And that's going to be critical for for anybody that uh, encounters Jesus because Jesus comes to them uh, as the one who came to serve. He would be the ultimate servant. In order to understand uh, greatness, you have to understand what it is to be a servant. You can you can you and I can strive after being great in this life, but that gets us nowhere in God's economy. In order to have position, if you will, In God's kingdom, we need to be able to uh, be the servant and receive the servant, the least among us. It isn't about gathering around uh, for ourselves uh, the people that would make us look great. 
the Pharisees would do that too and they would be rebuked later by Jesus when, when they throw a banquet. Don't, don't give positions of honor to those that have high positions and don't seek for those positions. There's a different way of thinking about that. We have to understand what it is to be a servant in order to understand how we would even receive Jesus and then to receive the one who sent him because Jesus came to serve his Father. Look at how it says it in John. Uh, this, this phrase comes up uh, three times in chapter 4, 5, and 6 of John. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus came as a servant to his Father. He would be the one that would show his disciples and the rest of the world what it is to uh, have a, a place in God's kingdom. And it isn't about uh, getting there on the backs of other people. That happens too much in our world. But it's about humbling yourself to be a servant and then receiving uh, Jesus as the ultimate example of that. And then to also receive those that we would consider uh, least and insignificant. Whatever you did to one of the least of these, Jesus would say, you did it to me. Jesus is the model. Is it, is it being childlike? Uh, we need to have a, a childlike faith. This is just one more piece of the puzzle, brothers and sisters. Uh, going out to be uh, a servant, uh, people can make a whole theology about that, a whole, a whole religion based on just serving and taking one piece of the puzzle without putting it into humble submission to the will of the one above you as well. This is one more piece of the puzzle where, where Jesus is trying to describe who he is, how the disciples ought to act, and how to compare a position of greatness to a posture of a servant. Where are you in your pursuits in this life? Seeking for something better, better position? Is, is your goal in this life to, to become better than I was? Better than they were, better than they are? Are we, are we still focused on position in this world? Or are we putting ourselves in a posture of being Christ-like. Look at the people that Jesus interacted with. The woman at the well. The leper. The woman bleeding. The, the boy who had an evil spirit in him. People that are the least in society, always. Because it's not about being... Uh, great in having that position. It's, it's about the posture. It's about the posture of Jesus. A Christ-like servant. You and I can spend the rest of our days 
seeking for a good place or a satisfactory place. Maybe you're not one of those people that wants to be the best. I'm just happy with a average position in life. Again, our, our focus is not about where we rank in this world, how we compare to others. Uh, our focus is on where do we stand in the economy of God's kingdom? Am I constantly seeking to serve? Or am I looking only to my own interests? Am I, am I trying to find a way to serve with the gifts I've been given in the kingdom? Or maybe that false sense of humility, well, I really don't have anything to offer anyway. Well, I don't know what God could do with me. <laughs> if you've read through Scripture and you're reading Scripture now with us, uh, you see how many people God can use? The most uh, unlikely servants who would fail in their faith and God would still use them? What is man that you are mindful of him, us as broken people? But God uses us. And it's, it's not for us to focus on uh, where we're going to be at the end of our journey in this life and how well did people see us other than would they see us through the eyes of Jesus as a servant. One who came to give to those in need. One who would recognize that my only example in life is Christ. And... and any other focus I, that I have in this world where it becomes my focus will always knock me off course. People say about money, it's not that you have money, but it's when, it, when money has you. It's not when you have this or that, but when those things have you, when that becomes your focus. So for you and I, we can carry on with our lives and we can take care of our needs. We can, we can have... Uh, the clothing that we need, the cars that are necessary for us, but when, when that becomes our focus, we, we're, we're now pursuing some sort of level of greatness or achievement here in this world. And Jesus says, if you want, if you're seeking to be first, what you need to do is be the servant. That always has eternal value in God's kingdom. It's the model that Jesus gave for his disciples. It's the way we ought to live our lives. Not in a position of greatness, but in a posture of servanthood. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, we do need to acknowledge that there are times, even in our own lives, where the further we dig into your word, the more confused we get. Maybe even if things seem to be contradictory. And so we just acknowledge that we are still limited in our understanding. We are still struggling to uh, come to full belief, even as the, the father of the young boy with the demon, I, I believe, helped my unbelief. And we again.
cry out for that ourselves. Help us understand. Help us to see from your perspective, through the eyes of Jesus, what it is to be uh, recognized in your kingdom. And so thank you for, for challenging us in our thinking. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would, that you would take these words and may they stir in our, in our hearts and minds. May we meditate on them and, and consider them and, and choose to respond to them. Because if we were to just uh, receive the words and set it aside, we will have missed the wisdom of these words. And so we pray for wisdom and how to apply these words to everyday life. What does it mean to serve my church, my spouse, my children, my neighbors, my co-workers? What does it mean to be a servant in a world where first place is always best? So Father, help us uh, to put these words to use in our lives and may it bring honor and glory to your name and may we also in the, in the process of becoming Christ-like serve those around us. Knit these words deep within us and bring them back to our hearts and minds as it's needed in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.